welcome back everyone to an episode of Forgotten Heroes. My name is Chris. I'm here with my good friend Zach. And we are, I, I feel like I'm not going too far off base here, Zach, when I say that we are both very shook today. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Chris. Yo, you're right. To again to date this that's okay. What does it matter? If you haven't seen it, because you, you know, are a normal person and you have Day, you know, a nine to five or whatever, and you don't have a whole lot of time to just dick around on your phone. <laughs> the Marvel fi- Marvel Sony finally released a trailer for the third Marvel Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. And though it's funny because it says it's a teaser trailer and it's three minutes long. And I'm like, a teaser trailer is usually like a minute and a half at most. Oh, yeah. So, but I but I can see but after watching it a couple of times, I can see why it's a teaser. Because if you think about it, it's they're not giving they're giving you the general how we how we got to this movie point of uh, Peter Peter of you know continuing from the second one Mysterio is an asshole. Uh-huh. None of this is spoilers. Revealed his identity and now he wants to fix it and he gets he's getting help to fix it and he fucks it up somehow. That's it. And I'm like, you know what? That's a teaser. You're showing us things to make us hype. Mm-hmm. And I'm, we're not going to talk about it. We're definitely going to do a rea- like another mini show, like when we talked about Venom 2 trailer. Oh, yeah. I think we we're going to try to release that relatively soon, too. That way it's like on the heels of the trailer. Right. We're not going to release it. We're going to definitely it, – it'll probably be the next episode after this. If not, it, if if it wasn't before this one. True. I don't know what Future Us is going to do. That's true. We're, we we can't see the multiverse. We just talk about it. Hey, we just enjoy it, you know? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> no, it's crazy, though. I think it's it's really smart on... Again, we're going to jump into the episode after this because I don't want to turn this into the episode that talks about No Way Home. But I think it was smart of... Is it Feige? Kevin Feige? I always say Feige. Feige. It's Feige. Kevin Feige to show Alfred Molina's Doc Ock in the trailer and also allude to the other villains. So, you know, if you're paying attention, you get green goblin you also definitely get some sort of electro and there's some weird villain that zach and i were sort of like hypothesizing about before this episode that i think we're going to talk about more during minisode breakdown of the trailer but yeah it's pointing in a bunch of different spider-man directions which is very very interesting and we could not have timed this better i woke up this morning i watched the trailer and I was immediately like, holy crap, there's no better time to do this episode than we were planning. We planned this ahead of time. We had no idea. We didn't We didn't schedule this. This is just like pure happenstance, which tells me that like the universe is like, I support you. Like, I feel like Uatu was like, good job, <laughs> win the podcast. Well done. Like, here's a gift. And so he gave us the trailer for Spider-Man because in today's episode, we are revisiting Spider-Man. We're coming back to Spider-Man, episode two. We said speaking we were going to do it again. Of, I want to cut you off there. Speaking of Uatu, do you think he can listen to every podcast in the universe at the same time? I feel like that's what he can do in I the multiverse. Like I f- yeah, I feel like it's got to be like a Superman type thing, you know, where he flies up into the atmosphere and he can hear everything. But if he focuses enough, he can hear one podcast. And I think he would like to very much hear our podcast. You know, I, I feel like we represent and we talk about him well. So big thanks to Uatu, uh, sponsored by Uatu this episode. No, uh, but we are <laughs> we're not sponsored by Uatu the Watcher. No, but we do have a shout out from our last episode. Miranaj, our intro and outro. I'm going to keep giving him a shout out for a while. Yeah. All his yeah. Spotify and iTunes will be in the, his links will be in the description. Check him out. He did dope work with this stuff. Could not be happier with it. Oh, yeah. I, it was literally, I, I mentioned this last week too, but I'm going to mention it again. It was literally like first try. 
we were like, hey, we were, Zach and I was kind of thinking like, hey, we want to do something kind of along this, sent him a couple of music clips, and he was like, all right, got it. And then literally like two or three days later, he was like, how's this? And both of us were like, perfect. Like, holy crap. Thank you so much. Like, we have yeah. like literally no notes. <laughs> it was so good. So yeah, big shout out to Miran Hodge. Super grateful, super, super appreciative of his work. And yeah, so we're going to jump into this Spider-Man episode. So once again, going to do the disclaimer. We are talking about the multiverse. We are talking about multiple different Spider-Man. We are talking about different Spider-Man. We are talking about people who have filled the role of Spider-Man. We are talking about how Spider-Men have interacted, some of them Spider-Women, right? Yeah. And so we're not going to get, we're not going to, I know on our, on our last episode with Spider-Man, we're not going to talk about main Marvel Universe, Peter Parker. Right. Right. Not like he'll he'll be mentioned, but he's not he's not going to be the subject of a conversation currently. True, true. What uh, we are going to start with, I keep cutting you off here, Chris. Go is, for it, you're good, dude. We're both excited. It's fine. It's Spider-Man yes. trailer day. Who cares? You know. <laughs> is the multiverse connection between all the Spider People? If you've ever read the Spider Verse, the first one, there are what is essentially called totems. Every every single Spider Person is a I'd say maybe. Spider Girl and Spider Woman from Earth 616 qualify. I don't really know how they work because neither one of them was really bitten by a spider, but right. whatever. They're in, and to me, they're included. Mm. So in the multiverse, there are totems that fulfill a role. And, you know, we're going to probably talk about, I believe, the bride, the pattern maker. We might speak about some other ones. I think we talk about the Master Weaver very briefly with one of our characters later. Yeah, but that's like that's like very brief. Right. Well, you will explain a little bit of what the heck that that even means. Mm-hmm. Some of them we weren't even given a description. It's like, oh, you are the bride. What does that mean? I don't, I don't know. It's like what? Yeah. yeah. So the the, the whole thing Black with the device. spider totems is that they are the way to think about spider totems is that it is a class of multiversal supernatural entities that are linked to the web of life and destiny lots in that sentence okay so we'll break that down as we get more throughout the characters and everything like that basically a sort of offhand way to think about this is that this is a way to justify the connections of the spider men and spider women throughout the multiverse there's something called the web of life and destiny right so if you know the character madam web she kind of serves as kind of like a soothsayer for the web of life and destiny she talks about what will happen what could happen what is going to certainly happen based on what she sees on the web of life and so i like to think of it as like to make a relevant point from loki this is like magical spider tva they don't get involved but they're still connected Mm -hmm. throughout the multiverse and it's funny to think about it because if you think about a lot of spider-man's villains they're all animal themed yeah they're all in a way part of this totem thing because they exist throughout the multiverse in some capacity exactly so to me it's just like a it's like a multiversal animal kingdom fight there you go yeah that's a, that's kind of great it's a multiversal bbc david attenborough documentary there you go there you go because i mean like you go from like octopus to rhino and then you even have like some weirder ones like i think white rabbit is part of it and mm-hmm. and black cat scorpion black cat Right, Scorpion. Even the the weirder ones of like literally, I think there's Armadillo, and I'm like, what? Oh yeah. Oh, we get a little bit. We're gonna talk about Mole Man later in the episode. Oh, okay. um, I think Squirrel I don't Girl. Think he counts. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think part of the Animal Kingdom, you know? I think right. Squirrel Girl actually picks up the mantle of Spider-Man, like, very, very briefly. We're not going to talk about her as a character, but it's just sort of, like, hammering home the point that this is just, like, multiversal animal fight based on these totemic avatars. And once again, we'll explain that a little bit. We'll talk, we'll give brief descriptions for the totems that we're talking about, the great totems, all right? And we're not going to go into, like, a whole big thing because, once again, within even, like, the Spider-Man universe and the Spider-Man fandom, the web of life and destiny is kind of, like, the most accepted part of it. The great totems and like everything else that sort of have to do with that can get a little kind of funky, multiversal, space magic-y. So it is very sort of, it, it's heavily contested, at least with the people that I've talked to about this. I know how Zach feels about it. Zach knows how I feel about it. We have some differing opinions, but for the most part, we're just going to share what pops up with the characters that we're talking about. Because one, if we're going to talk about every single Spider-Man character, we're going to be here for a while. And we can't do that for any of the characters that we're talking about on this podcast. We're just sort of like highlighting the ones that we find the most interesting have the coolest narrative arcs or just like are super weird and have something very unique about them so like once again this is not all of the spider-mans in existence there are tons of spider-men there are spider-men and women like all over the place they're coming out of our ears and our eyeballs all right but we're talking about the ones that we find the most interesting and those that have to do with the great totems so there you go that's how that's how we're working with that and so to kick it off we are going to start in a very familiar realm 616 Earth 616, the home of OG, aka the perfect version of Spider-Man, of Peter Parker, except we're not talking about him in this episode, as Zach lovingly mentioned. We are talking about Silk, also known as Cindy Moon. Her actual name is Cindy Moon. Her alias is Silk, right? So the deal with Cindy, let's talk about her powers quick before we jump into her arc, is that she has similar powers to Peter, but she has organic webbing. So if you're familiar with Tobey Maguire, aka the Holy Trilogy, that's kind of what we're talking about. She has the ability to spin claws like fingertips. So she can essentially give herself, since she has organic webbing and it can come out of her fingertips as well as her wrist and stuff like that, she can make little claws out of it that she can use in melee. And she also has something called Silk Sense, kind of weird knockoff spider sense. You're going to see a lot of that in today's episode. But since she was bit by the same spider as Peter, she can detect him anywhere within the multiverse and vice versa. And she also has a photographic memory. So a lot of similarities, but also some kind of interesting key differences that make Cindy Moon her own special character. So as I said before, bit by the same spider as Peter. She was bitten on the ankle before the spider fell off and died and the first manifestation of her powers was when she accidentally webbed her parents. So Ezekiel Sims, who is once again sort of involved in this whole big thing of the web of life, he kind of serves as more of a scientist, soothsayer physician like Madam Web. He's very familiar with the with the, the sequence of events following the web of life and everything like that. He's like a soothsayer, kind of like a prophet, sort of like a little bit of a watcher, doesn't really involve himself unless he has to type thing. So he ends up discovering Cindy and he takes her away to train her. And he discovers that she's being hunted by Morlun. Morlun, if you don't know, describe him real briefly. He is a Spider-Man bad guy who is vicious. He has some of the most, the biggest repu- reputation in Spider-Man comics to just absolutely kick Peter's ass every single time. There's an issue where he eats his eyeball for the fun of it. Your boy is gross. And he also has an ability where when he touches you, he can sense you anywhere across the multiverse. So if he's hunting you, it's not a matter of if, but when he's going to find you. So he's a real big bad guy, right? So Ezekiel locks Cindy in a bunker beneath his tower that is specially built to block Morland's powers. Cindy then spends her day watching and reading about the outside world and trains herself, right? So she spends, I think, about 13 years 
in this bunker. And 13 years later, Peter actually discovers her and releases her after Moreland's supposed death. But he ends up returning to start his greatest hunts against them. And once again, that's mentioned in a couple different Spider-Man timelines. We're not going to spiral off into that a little bit. But he does start the hunt once again. And that once again spirals into a big narrative arc that we'll talk about very briefly. So I don't want to spoil it. But Cindy and Peter actually have a pretty intimate relationship. And they work together against Black Cat and Electro. And Silk actually protects Spider-Man's identity at one point before Black Cat ends up trying to expose him so she works really well with peter she was also involved very heavily in the spider-verse when it was revealed she was an avatar of a very powerful spider totem called the bride and there we go we got our first spider totem so that's the first one we're going to talk about today so the bride's role is weaving quote-unquote hidden threads enabling spider totems to arise through chance magic curses or unwanted luck so the bride is kind of like happenstance she's the one that's like i wouldn't say a trickster but it's more not really probability based it's just like luck and chance for like who could become a manifestation of her, right? So it ends up being Silk. And so when Silk travels with the spiders, her presence along with the clone Kane brings about the Inheritors. And the Inheritors are a bunch of group of bad guys who live off the web of life and destiny, Morlun being one of them. So they are the direct opposite. They feed off the web of life and destiny, including the spiders and the spider totems. I'm gonna skip that because that leads into a huge event that would take hours to explain. And you have to have lots of background knowledge to talk about it. We're just talking about Silk and we're talking about her arc. But you need to know that she's involved in the Spider-Verse heavily and that she is involved in the battle against the Inheritors as well. So after the battle with the Inheritors, she focuses on finding her parents and working on crime fighting. So she comes back down to sort of like the hometown hero type thing, particularly a villain named Dragonclaw, who she later ends up helping him reunite with his daughter with the help of Spider-Man. After that, she's tipped off to the possible location of her brother by J. Jonah Jameson, which is funny. He actually pops up a couple times in Silk's storyline and some fun ways. I'll talk about that in a sec. And she was able to reunite with him briefly before the universes of Earth 616 and 1610 collided and killed everyone inside of those universes. Boom, dead, or so we thought, right? After the universes are restored, everyone's memories are conveniently wiped, and Silk starts working for Black Cat as a supervillain, which actually turns out to be a cover for S.H.I.E.L.D. for her to find her parents. She's working with Black Cat for a favor for S.H.I.E.L.D. while S.H.I.E.L.D. searches for her parents, basically. She ends up battling her negative version, basically. She ends up battling her counterpart from Earth-65, who's attempting to create future tech for warmongering purposes, you know, world domination, the gambit. But 616 S.H.I.E.L.D. was actually tricked into thinking Earth-65 Cindy was 616 Cindy, right? So S.H.I.E.L.D. was tricked into believing that the Good Silk, aka not the counterpart from Earth-65, was actually the counterpart, and they ended up arresting her. However, Black Cat ends up freeing her because she doesn't still know that Cindy's working for S.H.I.E.L.D. It ends up restoring her name, and she earns more of Black Cat's trust so that she can find her family, right? So she keeps going with the mission, keeps right on rolling, and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s like, all right, there wasn't a hiccup. They don't know you're working for us. We're going to keep looking for your parents and your family. She keeps working with Black Cat. She eventually saves her parents, who are actually stuck in the negative zone, looking for a cure to her powers. And Cindy eventually quits her job as a journalist at the Fact Channel, which was another effort to help her find her parents, to join the S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. So she picks up training in S.H.I.E.L.D., and it fits pretty well for her. She actually fits into S.H.I.E.L.D. pretty well, like better than Peter does in some sense. Like Cindy is very much her own person. Peter had his feelings about S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, there was a lot of times that they helped him out. There were a lot of times that they were the good guys. But there were plenty of other times where their weird interests and their weird sort of 
political motives left a bad taste in his mouth. Cindy, on the other hand, is a little bit better of a fit than Peter is. She then battles the Red Goblin with Miles, and if you listen to our Goblin episode, we actually talk about Red Goblin. That is Carnage, bonded with the Green Goblin, or Norman Osborn, and it's scary as all get out, right? We talk about just how overpowered he is, and, you know, you could have guessed this if you listen to the episode. Red Goblin kicks Cindy and Miles' ass. Makes very, very short work of him. They're defeated easily. They're saved by Flash Thompson, who at this point is actually anti-Venom. All right? So anti-Venom, the antithesis of Venom. So he ends up using his symbiote to remove the pieces of the Carnage symbiote embedded in Cindy and Miles that Norman was hoping to use to recruit them to his cause, to kill Peter's loved ones on his crusade of terror, basically. And that's kind of where that arc with Silk and Miles ends with Red Goblin. They don't really meet too much after that, right? That's something that Peter ends up taking care of. And then after that, we jump into the Kindred arc, which is a very recent Spider-Man arc. And we are not going to talk about that one either, because like the Inheritors, I think this one is actually favored a little bit better than the Inheritors storyline, purely because it's not quite as multiversally, but it has to do with like premonitions and a prophecy and Silk has a really big part in it. And it ends in a way that, you know, if you're familiar with the characters, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's heartbreaking and also very, very cool. Kindred is probably a one of the most compelling Spider-Man bad guys to come around in a while. So we don't want to spoil that. And we want you guys to read that for yourselves. But I just want to mention that Silk is involved with the Kindred arc. And we'll talk about that in reader recommendations at the end of the episode. So you'll know exactly where to look for that. Eventually, Cindy gets an apartment and starts working on her familial relationship with her brother and starts reporting again, eventually ending up as, get this, a bodyguard for none other than J. Jonah Jameson. Of course, she's reporting. Jonah doesn't know who she is. But the fact that Jameson has a body guard that's a spider-man i find that absolutely hilarious right she ends up sort of like moonlighting as his protector which i think is that's, just like that's just that's karma it, i think it's right precious there for him. oh it's so great it, yeah it's karma to the fullest extent right and there are some people that consider technically consider silk peter's cousin based on how they're related in the spider being bit in the web of mm. life but it's it's i i don't really agree with that i want to throw that out there just because that has been said but based on the noise that zach just made and how i know i feel about it it seems like we don't really agree with that and that's okay no i would say <sighs> boy all right so they are connected in the spider verse because they were both bitten by the same spider mm-hmm. the the reason why i don't agree with the cousin thing one because there's no other than the spider bit there is no relation to them whatsoever also two that yeah you go that's two because they were bitten by the same spider whenever they're like alone or even in a room you know they're their their hormones are like screaming at them to yeah. to mate because because yeah. which you know some people will be like that's weird it's like that's well, not weird if you think about it like you mm-hmm. know it's it's a base instinct that's heightened by the fact that they're both bitten by the same spider right so it's like make more damn it that's what that that's their instinct. So that's why it's even weirder to call them cousins. It's like, no, at that point, freaking Miles and Peter are cousins. Like, what? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna make that exact. I would say that. I would say I'm. I would. I would agree more with Miles and Peter being cousins because even though they're from two different universes, Miles was bitten by a spider from the same program as mm-hmm. Peter Spider in his universe. Right. Definitely. But I do not agree that Cindy and and Peter should be looked at as cousins because that's that's some that's. No. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that we've had a weird comic book relationship, but this is taking it to a different level. So, yeah, I'm glad we're definitely on the same page there. Not really... (laughs) 
taking a look at that. It, it's an interesting way in looking at it. I, if you want to talk about it, if you want to uh, debate with me about it, would love to hear about it. Send us a message. I will happily debate with you guys about that. But before we jump into that, I'm going to go into the episode. Like I said, Cindy gets an apartment. She works on her familiar relationship with her brother. She's a bodyguard for J. Jonah Jameson. And after thugs attempt to stop a story around a global company called Fujinet, she ends up picking up some clues that some weird crime sort of underworld goings on are going with Fujinet. She ends up dealing with more games in her crime fighting and she keeps finding more Fujinet clues. Somehow there is crime in New York City and it's connected to Fujinet. She can't really figure out how though. So she ends up confiding in her therapist, bad call, really, really bad call, her therapist named Max, um, about her confused sort of detective workings. She does eventually get an interview with the head of Fujinet, uh, a woman named Saya Ishii, as the reporter, Cindy Moon, and she ends up, uh, Ishii ends up revealing that she knew who Silk was and asked her to help take down the remaining gangs, quote-unquote, threatening her company. Silk hesitantly agrees, and they actually end up teaming up for a little bit, only for Saya to end up killing the ringleader of this gang, and then escape by double-crossing Cindy with Max, who was Cindy's therapist, and unknowingly to Cindy, Saya's brother. At the end of that, they end up escaping, Cindy can't really follow them, but she ends up finishing and releasing the story as a reporter. And then after that, she goes out to the bar with her brother and has a drink to relax. So there we go. That is a very brief, very quick overview of Silk's crazy goings on within the 616 universe. Um, so I don't yeah. think she gets a whole lot of love, to be honest. She does not. She is hugely underrated. Silk is an amazing character. Yeah, no, she should be getting a lot more than, than what she gets. Agreed. Honestly, I would, I'd be a little upset if we got a second Spider-Verse movie in 2022 from Sony and Silk didn't have some sort of a cameo in there. Um, from what I saw from the characters that they planned, it doesn't look like her costume because her costume is pretty distinct, but I would really like to see um, uh, some sort of, some more Silk representation because that would be that would be great. You know, her relationship with Peter is interesting, not only in the fact that they're lovers and the whole pheromone thing, but also just like, she's just a cool character. She's just different in just like her own separate way. We also get a little bit more representation because she's Korean, I believe. And yeah, she's a great character. She slept on like crazy and she has a huge hand in the Spider-Verse multiverse war and is just like Brad. You know, she is the, the well-kept secret for 13 years that they wrote in very, very well. Yeah, she was a retcon add-in, but that's okay because they didn't do it poorly. They didn't, they didn't just go, oh, by the way, yes, this person's just been living their life. It's like, no, they've been hidden away specifically because of this person you are now dealing with. So yeah. They tie it into a current bad guy and everything. So it's great retcon. Yeah. Speaking of bad guys, could you imagine if, if Spider-Man was a bad guy? <gasps> I've never heard of such an idea, Zach. How could you suggest the Golden Boy could be nothing but a hero? Well, just call me J. Jonah Jameson at this point. Anyway. Hey. <laughs> I hate the fact that you're making that I now know how to shoehorn like you do, Chris. It's I'm rubbing it's off on you, buddy. Yeah, God. <laughs> so it, there is a reality where Spider-Man was he was a hero in this reality, but for the multiverse, not so much. On Earth 11638, I know numbers are a pain in the ass of Marvel. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. This one is dubbed Ghost Spider. 
But he's only dubbed this by, toward the end of his story. And no, this is not Spider-Gwen, because that's her current alias now, because, I mean, you can have multiple people with the same alias. It's fine. So in this reality, Peter Parker never lost Uncle Ben. And when and Uncle and this Uncle Ben supported this Peter Parker, this Peter Parker as Spider-Man, and he dubbed him the Amazing Spider. If you look this up, First off, this spider has this Spider-Man has a cape. I don't think that was such a smart idea, but that's just me. Yeah. And Peter eventually, you know, he became rich and he had his own company, Parker Technologies. With his resources, he was able to bring in other Spider-Men from the multiverse, you know, and trick them and gain and being able to absorb their powers. So he eventually also brought in 616, the main peter parker into this reality uh, and and also i think inadvertently also bringing in hulk and deadpool but that's a story for another day which i think we might have also spoke about this version of hulk but he's not that important into this story yeah. so to make it simpler i'm going to call them uh the spider and peter to there distinguish between these two people because yes they're the same person but you know i need a way to distinguish them so peter you know he believes the lies of the spider um and then you know they go back to the spider's hideout and peter gets to talk to this version's uncle ben and as they're talking this uncle ben actually drugs peter you know with a sedative to knock him out you know in the tea that they're drinking and then hook him up to the machine for the spider to absorb his powers the spider's not really heroic but he doesn't care he wants yeah. he's got he wants the powers. So Ben plugs the machine in and the spider went to absorb the powers. Right. Which was really which was I, I guess at this point he you know, he didn't realize his tank was full of spider power and knocked him into a coma and his soul was sent to hell. Rightfully so. You technically murdered a bunch of other innocent Spider-Men. Yeah. At this time, Dr. Banner of this of this reality is uh, is actually the Sorcerer Supreme. And he had put his alter ego Hulk in hell and over the years he turned into infernal hulk so if you ever seen like a, a demonic looking hulk that's this guy but he but dr banner lost his fight to this hulk and he technically his body died but you know if you're the source of supreme it don't you don't doesn't matter if you don't have a body who cares you can still be a ghost so in his astral form he freed the spider's soul giving him a second chance at life but he also infused him with you know the the repentant damned i'll be honest i have no no clue what repentant just means but basically short and sweet turned him into like a ghost rider right flaming flaming skull it's blue instead of you know typical fire like if you played the spider-man ps4 game that's where this outfit comes from Mm -hmm. so now going as ghost spider he sends Earth 616, Deadpool, Hulk, and Spider-Man back to their universe. He and he has about the same powers as both Spider-Man and Ghost Rider. So Penance there. He's got some Hellfire control. See, can see your sins. He doesn't really. Other, I would say he really doesn't do much at this point. Like after this, he just becomes a background character in anything Spider-Verse related. Yeah. But I still would not like make fun of this man. This, oh, this man just has to look at you when you're dead. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. It's 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 interesting. I mean he ends up getting turned into the character as like kind of a redemption arc. So he comes back with more power and like more of more purpose essentially. So, and also just like, it's a great design of Spider-Man. He's so cool. He's got like the bluish flames going all over his head and he's got like the skull and everything. It's just very, very cool looking Spider-Man for sure. No doubt about that. Oh yeah. No, super cool. But also like, again, it was cool for the moment. And then he just becomes whatever. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't had too much of him 
being uh, involved in other events up until this point. But I think he his status is still still technically alive. So we could be seeing something that's a little bit more um, close to his wheelhouse sometime soon. Maybe we'll get a Ghost Rider team up. That would be cool. That would be that. that. That would be. I I doubt it, but that would be cool. Cause that, cause even if it's even if you do like a like even with Spider Verse two into the Spider Verse two coming out at some point, it there's mm-hmm. no point. That's just that that would be really weird. Like uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It'd be nice to see him in a little bit more comics iteration. But if you want to think about him pretty simply, it's just Johnny Blaze and Spider Man, and he's got lots of cool Hellfire control and can see your sins and take him if need be. So there you go. Yeah, but, it's funny because this Spider is such a background character, and yet the one after him, the one we're going to talk about next, got I feel like got more comic time than than that guy. And it's like, oh, what? definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had some cool going on with uh, Miles specifically, and he has a really interesting origin story in my mind for what he is. And so, of course, we are talking about. Patrick O'Hara, also known as Webslinger, also known as Peter Ponderosa from Earth 31913. So before he was bitten, Patrick O'Hara was a gunslinger who lived off in the traveling west, and he traveled around giving itinerant shows as kind of a musician-type, cowboy-type character. He and his horse are actually bitten by the same spider that ends up getting dunked in an elixir given to his partner, Michael Morbius. He then develops something called Rider Sench, which allows him to communicate with his horse telepathically. And he has six shooters that, in addition to shooting bullets, also shoot webs. Now, this special elixir that his friend Michael Morbius got from a witch doctor, they were traveling, Morbius was peddling medicine, and he was peddling music. And so he got a special elixir in an attempt to sort of try Try and help heal and just, you know, put food on the table and everything like that. After it's exposed to the spider, Morbius drinks the elixir as well. But instead of getting spider powers, he gets turned into a vampire somehow. So we have a little bit of a, of, of a crossing of this elixir. It looks like it's not very reliable. It looks like they might have found like the, uh, the Kirkland brand witch doctor or something like that. But he ends up getting turned into a vampire and start terrorizing people. And he's hoping to specifically feed off of children to return his humanity. Around this time, though, sort of Ponderosa Parker is kind of getting used to his powders and dubbing himself the Web Slinger. He ends up tracking down Morbius and kind of his first heroic deed to find him. And they end up meeting in an abandoned laboratory where Pat or Patrick tries to reason with the now vampiric Morbius. But it ends up leading to a conflict where a lantern fire nearly kills Patrick O'Hara and the children trapped inside. But he saves them at the last minute due to a bit of a humanity come around on Morbius's part. I mean, Patrick saves them. But and one of the final panels that you do see for vampiric Morbius is that he's like, save the children, get them out of here. There's no time. And so he ends up jumping out the window with them and saves them. And then the laboratory explodes as it connects to some can- to some chemicals. And it's presumed that vampire Morbius is dead. I think up to this point, we have not seen him again. There may have been a clue here or there. I might be missing a panel or so in my memory, but I don't think I am. If I am, would love to see him again. But after that, Webslinger and his horse Widow are later recruited by Miles Morales to join the Web Warriors in fighting the Inheritors, who they successfully end up sort of imprisoning, right? And the Web Warriors, just to give you a nice little rundown, 
that is just another one of the Spider-Man cosmic team-ups. So we get 67 Spider-Man, Mini Marvel Spider-Man, Spider-Man Mobile, Mini Spider-Man, Future Foundation Spider-Man, Ultimate Black Widow, Web Slinger, and Spider-Horse, also known as Widow. So once again, those are all, I know I listed off a bunch of Spider-Mans that we're not, probably not going to talk about, but those are essentially, once again, those are the surface level Spider-Mans. They have the same powers, but they're just from different universes or they're presented in a different way. There's nothing crazy new or weird about them. All right. So he ends up joining the Web Warriors. They imprison the Inheritors. And then Patrick O'Hara and Miles have a really awesome little arc where Miles ends up visiting him in his home world to fight off an Old West version of Scorpion. And so far, that's the last thing that we've seen of him. So I think it's interesting and also very cool. Like, I love cowboys. And the fact that we get like a Spider-Man cowboy sort of throw together is super funny. And I love the writer sense, no matter how ridiculous it is. The fact that he can like literally telepathically communicate with his horse is just, it's so campy and it's so Spider-Man and I love it. And you can't convince me otherwise. It's so, so funny. And Ponderosa Parker is just like, it's for (laughs) me, it's just like one of my favorite characters because it combines two things that I love and that I've surrounded myself with my entire life. It's just so great. But yeah, he gets a really decent amount of panel time. He has a pretty significant hand in fighting the Inheritors and also survives fighting the Inheritors, which is a lot more than can be said for a lot of the Spider-Man in Cindy Moon's run-through with the Inheritors. Granted, it's a little bit of a different arc and it's a little bit bigger in scope, but still, the fact that Ponderosa Parker is still alive and kicking after all of that and now is doing like a buddy cop thing with Miles. It's just kind of one of my favorite things ever. So there we go. We, that's Web Slinger. And there is actually, there's two Web Slingers. I want to clarify this real quick. So if you look up Web Slinger, more than likely you're probably going to get Patrick O'Hara, but there is another Web Slinger. That being said, I don't know. There's not much known about the other Web Slinger. Um, all that's basically known is that it was a person who was turned into a kind of humanoid type spider thing. And it's known as Web Slinger. I think it was before Patrick O'Hara was created. And it was once again, kind of one of those knockoff brand Spider-Man that like showed up once and we've never really seen again. But we're talking about the Patrick O'Hara Web Slinger, obviously. Much, much cooler. We love six shooters. Shooting webs. Very, very cool. Because it wouldn't really work out in the flat rural plains of the West to be swinging from building to building. So I think the fact that he can shoot webs out of his guns is just kind of great. You know, we, we love an expert marksman Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. It's just that's just so. It's, it's weird. It's also weird to think like he can't really. Yeah, he he doesn't web swing. And also, yeah. to my knowledge, the spider, the the horse, can run up buildings and stuff. <laughs> like, oh really? Can they? I forgot oh, about that. Oh yeah, well, Widow do that. By the oh same yeah, spot. Widow can do that. You're absolutely right. I totally forgot to mention that. Yeah. And I would not be surprised if so, if 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 they threw this in at any point, it would be really funny to me. It's just like somebody's like, ha, we've got you now, web slinger, and your horse can't go anywhere, and a horse just farts out a web. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Or he's, like, like, stuck on the top of a building and he jumps onto his horse and rides down it. No, no, it'd be funny if it was just, like, the bad guys caught them. Yeah. And then then they're like, what's your horse going to do? Like, knock into us, please. We can stop it. And then it just farts out a web. And they're like, oh, I wasn't prepared for this. (laughs) Who could have seen this coming? (laughs) It's funny. And now if you think about, like, thinking about a man on a horse running up a building, that might be a little scary. Especially if they're coming for you. But... Uh, That's that little bit of an intimidation factor. It's 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 kind of a hard left, too, to see a horse running up the side of a building. And, yeah, so speaking of hard lefts, that's going to transition us pretty well into our next character, which is yeah, just... Yeah, so if you have arachnophobia, I'm sorry. Oh, boy. But, you know, it, I, it's, it's like, okay, Spider-Man, all right. It's just a man 
with spider powers. It's not that big of a deal. This is a lot worse than that. So on Earth 11580, this is Spider's Man. Spiders. Uh, that S yes, is spiders. important. Yes. So normal origin of Peter Parker, right? You know, bitten by a spider. Blah. This one, there was a there was an enclosure of irradiated spiders. Don't know why they had so freaking many. And Peter Parker falls into it and, you know, was basically devoured. But the spiders took became a hive mind with Peter's consciousness. So you know, they were a collective of spiders in the shape of a man, right? Oh. Yeah, which is disturbing because because first off it's like okay so are the spiders now peter or do they th or you know like what how does that work you don't think about it too hard all right you just gotta know there's there's at least one spider that's that controls the others and it's like i am peter parker and and or and we are peter parker and yeah whether that whether it truly is peter parker or they think they're peter parker it doesn't matter i like that we are peter parker that's pretty funny <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they, I don't think they say that. I, I'm pretty sure they still say I, but basically, yeah. yeah. It's oh. like there's there's the one that's really in charge and everybody, all the other ones are just mindless drones. Yeah. But anyway, as they as he was fighting Goblin, the Goblin Queen's servants in New York, you know, they, he, he was, first off, this was a, a bunch of spiders in Spider-Man's outfit. Think think about it like that. So he was, while he was attacked by Jack-O-Lantern, the the spiders actually crawl you know he could throw spiders at his enemies not just the webs it could also could i don't even think the webs if you think about no. it he didn't have as much just you throw spiders yep they crawled into jack lantern's mask and incapacitated him whether they kill him or not i don't know if you think about it they're spiders i don't think they're gonna hold back it's now yeah. animal instinct at that point horrified the crap out of the goblins and they all left and he actually joined with superior spider-man which is I would say a really good. That's a really good Spider-Man run, mm -hmm. and that's Doctor Octopus in the body of Peter Parker from Earth 616. And while they were fighting the Inheritor, Spider-Man was recruited onto his team. There's also another Spider. Uh, it's a, we, I'll just go to refer to him as Norman Osborn because so in his world he's Spider-Man. Yeah. Probably still a bad guy. It's Norman Osborn. I wouldn't put it past him. Still and crazy. They, oh, yeah. And they conspired together to trap the inheritors on the Marvel Prime Earth by destroying the web of life and destiny. But before they could do that, he spread out his spiders across the multiverse, which is also still terrifying. Also shows you he can still see and interact with those spiders wherever they are throughout space and time. Yeah. It's scary. And then he double-crossed Norman Osborn after he killed many of Spider Spider's man spiders by using, you know, first off, you're gonna kill the spiders that make up a person. That's like killing his children. Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's an interesting way of thinking about that. I didn't think about that. Yeah. He also and Spider's man also might be immortal if one of the spiders survives the conflict. So yeah, burn him. Great. Did you miss one? Mo probably. Guess what? He ain't gone. Yep. Oh, and so the fact that he's like over several multiversal planes is also very, very scary. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just so creepy. Like I can just imagine the noise he makes, and it's just awful. <laughs> it's awful in every sense. Yep. And then, oh god. And then in this universe, our uh, Carl King, a bully of Peter Parker, saw him become, you know, get eaten by the spiders. And so he tried to do the same thing, but instead he tried to do the opposite. So he tried to eat one of the spiders, which killed him and broke his body down into spiders and they became uh the thousand so yeah don't don't do that yeah people. don't eat the don't eat the irradiated spiders folks yeah no uh, it's bad call but yeah no that was kind of like a different version of like the character that's been done before and it just ended up in 
a horrible accident and spider's man is like an actual character so it's it's real weird (laughs) yep actually i think this so this um the carl king is not from the universe of peter park of um who's not from spider's man's universe he's actually from earth 616 and he tried to eat one of the irradiated spiders yeah from or he actually ate i think it was probably the the spider that actually bit him that actually bit peter parker mm-hmm. yeah no he ate the dead spider and then just became a horde of spiders it's like yeah <sighs> no that didn't really work out for you now did it jesus but yeah so that's what we get with spiders man so it we go from a literal physical sort of man and then we move into an amalgamation of spiders crawling over one another forming the shape of a man and it's yeah that's almost just as bad as um spider-man one more day oh yeah oh god you know if you don't know if you don't know what the heck i'm talking about in the comics peter and mary jane have been married for years for us and then uh to save aunt may they give mephisto uh, basically a the devil not really the devil but the stand-in right he's a stand-in for uh the devil you know they give them their their wedding their their marriage and because of that they actually they wipe away the possible future of them having a of having a daughter so you know but it's the multiverse so somewhere in the multiverse she still exists Mm -hmm. and that brings us up to our next character and may parker also known as spider ling great name by the way from Earth 18119. So this is the daughter of Peter and Mary Jane. She ends up developing her own spider powers. She was never actually bit by a, a spider because, once again, she's just blood-related to Peter. So therefore, that innately gives you superpowers uh, because we can say that, and it's Marvel science. So she and MJ, when she is a kid, are actually attacked by Venom, through which Peter actually ends up saving her, which actually kind of traumatizes her and stops her from being spiderling for a while she has uh nightmares consistently about something about what she calls the shadow thing which is actually just venom so that's kind of a important story she does eventually eventually pick up the mantle um and she's taken on some pretty impressive bad guys actually most notably um the sinister sinister six she ended up taking on boomerang rhino shocker and craven all to save peter um, and she took them all out by herself. So pretty, pretty significant. And the family of three, including MJ, have fought together to take down the Regent to be put in shield custody, as well as Mole Man, as I mentioned before. And the Regent, what you need to know for Regent is that he is a real big bad guy who created a suit that when he defeats superheroes, he can imprison them in stasis tubes and then take their powers for himself. So he's kind of like an amalgamation type bad guy. So there you go. That's what you need to know for Regent. So the fact that she kind of went toe to toe with him and end up uh, nullifying him with the inhibitor chip, that way S.H.I.E.L.D. could take him, is pretty significant. She was also a possible student for Professor Xavier's School of Gifted Youngsters, and she ended up stopping a plot of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants after Jubilee double-crosses the X-Men. And we'll talk about how she did that in a second with her powers. She also actually ends up befriending an Osborn. I'm going to pause there for a second. She befriends an Osborn, because (laughs) here we go. Like, historically, and, and... And May Parker here is breaking down a little bit of barriers because we have crazy Osborne, like crazy begets crazy. And the fact that she ends up sort of like befriending and using the Osborne for sort of like a good purpose other than, you know, if she was a murdery Spider-Man is pretty impressive. Speaks to her sort of humanity. So she is kidnapped by Rhino and she's imprisoned by this Osborne 
while a goblin mech suit attacks New York. And this is Normie Osborne attempts to stop the mech suit after being talked to by Anne May Parker, being talked down using that wonderful humanistic element of Spider-Man that we all know and love that makes them so relatable. And a, they actually work together. Normie works together with Anne May Parker to find the weaknesses in the suit and gives her sort of the edge. And they are able to take down the mech suit and save New York. So and then after that, they become lovely, lovely little friends. So there you go. It gets a little, there, there's a lot more to it. I'm dumbing it down quite a bit, but that's because we have a lot of characters for this, this week's episode. I want to make sure that we give them enough snuff, but she has some interesting powers. So she has the same powers as her father. She's got the same powers as Peter. In addition to premonitions that aided in the almost X-Men coup by Jubilee, as well as the Mole Man conflict and the Goblin attack. So she also... In addition to having those premonitions, she has the ability to manipulate the web of life and destiny that we mentioned before and forge it into physical objects such as armor. So one of the things that you're going to find if you see any pictures of um, Anime Parker is that she is wearing the armor. Um, that's kind of one of her standout roles. And she is actually the totemic avatar. So we're talking about that again. She's the avatar of the pattern maker and the pattern makers role in the web of life and destiny is to read the connecting threads of web or is basically the connecting timelines and forge them into something stronger, enhancing the already existing connection between the spider totems, right? The pattern maker is also responsible for repairing the web should something happen to it and or the master weaver, which is kind of the big overall overlooks the entire web of life type thing. So the fact that she can literally see the web of life and forge it into her own makes her a direct descendant of the avatar that is the pattern maker. So there you go. Peter um, is actually I believe he is at several points. Him and his clone Kane are actually the avatar of the other who is more of a combative deity whose role is like kind of undefined within the web of life. So it makes sense that if Peter's the representation of that totemic avatar, that his daughter would be one as well. So she represents the pattern maker and it's cool. It's nice to have a, it's like a different spider sense. So she has spider sense, but she also like has it a little bit more to the nth degree as far as premonitions, you know, she can't really control them when they happen. It's all about like, how well can you interpret it to sort of stop it? But there you go. That's Anne Mae Parker. That is one of the many storylines where we have uh, Peter and MJ having a child. And that's one of the more um, interesting ones as far as what comes out of it. So there you go. That is Anne Mae Parker, Spider-Ling. And she has a, a pretty significant arc with the Master Weaver related to somewhat that kind of has a little bit to do with our next character. That is a real oddball. All right, we're going to talk real about oddball, sort of... Real oddball, real new... Um, real new yeah no it's this next one is like i don't know i really don't like okay so there's spider verse there's spider geddon and then there's a second spider verse which mostly focuses around miles i don't see the i did not see the point of that it was cool yeah but i didn't see the point of having to do first of they called it spider verse Mm -hmm. that's what why just already have spider verse yeah could have called it something else adventures of the spider verse something that would have i would have been fine with that Adventures <laughs> in the spider-verse something like that not spider-verse because now you got people confused yeah it's a it's another thing like the clone saga they're doing with miles i don't i don't know oh boy yeah i got thoughts about that but i i will i'm gonna take a deep breath and table that soapbox so we can talk about our next character <laughs> yeah so the next character is 
Spider Zero. We don't know what her name. She's from Earth 19166. So we don't know her name. Um, she's a young woman with spider powers who could travel the multiverse after her universe was completely destroyed. So her Earth doesn't exist anymore. She took up the mantle of the Master Weaver after the Web of Life and Destiny was restored. And when it became corrupted, she recruited Miles to help her find Anne May Parker, the literally spy- Spiderling who we just spoke about, due to her disappearing and causing this corruption. Spider Zero was actually unable to untangle the corruption in the web, and she got stuck there. I also mm-hmm. believe she has a pet spider, which is she does. cute. Yeah, it's, very it's cute. It's really big for a spider, but that's okay. So yeah, this spider multiverse thing. Yeah, whatever. But this Spider Verse. This Spider-Verse that she comes from, I think it was pretty... I liked it because one of its key features in the back of every issue was fan-made Spider-Sonas, and some of them actually got made into spiders that show up briefly toward the end of it. So it's like, now they're canon, mm-hmm. right? Which which I love that. But again, did not need to call it Spider-Verse. Could have called the Adventures in the Spider-Verse something. Yeah, Make it distinguishable could've. from the first one. Exactly, exactly. But the role of the Master Weaver, so we want to talk about that very quickly. That is sort of a big position within the Web of Life and Destiny. Um, It's a position that can be filled by a totemic avatar or a being that has consumed their essence, right? Um, Though, once you're the Master Weaver, only death can free you from that bond. So Spider-Girl Zero is stuck there. Uh, until she dies or until someone else picks up the mantle, right? The Master Weaver is responsible for maintaining and overseeing the Web of Life and Destiny, right? So they're kind of like the glorified head honcho janitor of the Web of Life and Destiny, if you want to think about it, right? So it's, it's an integral role, but it doesn't do anything specific like the bride or like the pattern maker or like the other, right? Even though the other is a little bit more undefined and things of that nature. So yeah, there we go. That is sort of the interesting characters that we have found for spider-man part two. Oh, also if you read the arc that has to do with spider zero and the spiderling you're going to see another specific spider avatar pop up there called sea spider um we don't know a whole lot about him we just know that he was a spanish a noble who moonlighted pirate. as a pirate yeah so in this episode we got web slinging gun toting cowboy Spider-Man, as well as Pirate Spider-Man, which is pretty, pretty cool. Who can breathe underwater, which is pretty great, but that's pretty much all you know you, about. I love the way that you said that. Oh, yeah. I love Gun it. Gun Spider-Me. Peter Ponderosa. Yeah, it's so great. Um, but, cool. yeah, you'll see Sea Spider, but he literally only pops up in that one issue. He's cool, but that's the only time we see him. And there you go, right? So that is Spider-Man Part 2. And I think, before we jump into recommendations... We should talk about what we're reading because I realized we didn't do that at the episode because we wanted to jump into the totems and everything like that because there's a lot of source material around that. So I think I'll jump into this first. I am currently – you know what? I'm going to be polite. I'm not going to be selfish. Zach, what are you reading, my friend? Still reading my Pokemon manga and the Loki stuff. I have been – I don't know. It's – you know what? Normally I would like kind of skim it. And then go back and read it later. And I kind of, I want to, I'm like forcing myself to not do that and actually read it properly, like read and read. So it's a slow process, but it's, I think it's now it's more enjoyable rather than just being like, all right, yeah, I can just look at the pretty pictures and I know what the hell's going on. (laughs) And then I'm like, all right, later I read the words. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons that it can take me so long to get through an, an issue 
or a series of issues even is usually the art. I feel like more often than not, I'll get through like the words and the text panels much quicker than I'll get through the art because like looking at these different art styles and everything is just like, yeah, I spend most time looking at the illustration, I think definitely. But yeah, I am actually, I finished my Man Without Fear Daredevil run um, from Frank Miller and uh, Frank Romita Jr. Excellent run, absolutely awesome. Kind of the uh, a very interesting origin for Matt Murdock. We get a very nice reserved kind of different Matt Murdock with Elektra and see him come to the mantle that is Daredevil. And we get a starting Kingpin, which you don't see a lot. And when you see a bad guy origins, especially one as big as Kingpin, it's very, very interesting to see how it's set up, especially since it's like such an older comic. Um, and after finishing that, I am reading through the What If I am actually reading through a Scarlet Spider what if. It was what if the Scarlet Spider killed Spider-Man. And it's so funny because it says still only $150 on the cover. I'm looking at it right now. And it says $10 on the bag that I bought it in. So that tells you you how things have jumped up a little bit. But it's supposedly the ultimate Clone Saga climax, which, you know, don't really know if we needed that. But it's here. And uh, it's interesting so far. I'm about halfway through it. It's it's pretty cool. It's got a great cover. I don't know. I haven't gotten to the authors quite yet because I'm once again taking my time. It's a little bit more of an older comic, and I want to make sure I give the uh, the artists and the art enough time for my eyes as well as actually reading through the actual narrative. But yeah, so that's what we're reading through. And now, after talking about what we're reading, we're going to talk about what you guys should read. Let's go through some recommendations. So for Spider Zero. Um, you're not going to see her a whole lot. You're going to see her in Spider-Verse Volume 3, Issue 1 and 6. Boom, done. There you go, right? If we are going into Anne May Parker or Spiderling, uh, you are going to be looking for Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, Volume 1 and 2. I'm not going to talk about specific issues because she's in every issue of Volume 1 and 2. She's also in Spider-Girls Volume 1, Issues 1 to 3, Spider-Verse Volume 3, Issue 6, Spider Geddon Handbook, Volume 1, Issue 1, and Marvel Comics, Volume 1, Issue 1001. So there you go. Now, if we're talking about Spider's Man, you're going to see him in Spider Geddon, Volume 1, Issue 3 and 4, Vault of Spiders, Volume 1, Issue 1, and Superior Spider-Man, Volume 2, Issues 9 through 12. So he has a decent run in there. If you're looking for Peter Ponderosa, the gun tootin'. Horse communicating telepathic badass. You're going to find him in Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 3, Issues 12 through 15. Vault of Spiders, Volume 1, Issue 1. Spider-Geddon, Volume 1, Issues 3 and 5. Spider-Geddon Handbook, Volume 1, Issue 1. And Spider-Verse 3, Issues... Or, excuse me, Spider-Verse Volume 3, Issues 4 and 6. Bit of a mouthful there. Um, after that, we are talking about Ghost Spider, and you will find him in Spider-Geddon, Volume 1. You're finding a lot of the characters in Spider-Geddon. Issues 1 and 5. Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 1, Issue 38. Incredible Hulk's Annual, Volume 1, Issue 1. And Deadpool Annual, Volume 1, Issue 1. Like we said, doesn't show up a whole lot, but he does have a little bit of an interesting arc, and it's just a really cool character to look at. If we're talking about Cindy Moon, a.k.a. Silk, she's around a lot. So we're going to talk about her big runs here. All right. So she's got a bunch of other smaller one-off issues, but these are her biggest runs that I'm going to talk about right now. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 3, Issues 1 through 15. Spider-Woman, Volume 5, Issues 1 through 4. Silk, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, obviously, because it's her own run. Spider-Gwen, 
2, Volume 2, Issues 8, 9, and 11. Spider-Geddon, Volume 1, Issues 3, 4, and 5. War of the Realms, Agents of Atlas, Volume 1, Issues 1 through 4. Agents of Atlas, Volume 3, Issues 1 through 4. Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Issues 44, and then 48 through 57. All New, All Different, Marvel Universe, Volume 1, Issue 1. Totally Awesome Hulk, Volume 1, Issues 15 to 24. And then Spider-Man slash Deadpool, Volume 1, Issue 31 to 40. So she's around quite a bit. It's going to be difficult not to find her. And there we go. That takes care of that. Whew. And more often than not, you're going to see most of the Spider-Universe, Web of Life and Destiny related stuff when you're talking to Sydney, Cindy Moon, or uh, stuff with Spider-Ling or Spider-Zero. And the Inheritors, I believe, have some of their own runs just to sort of like give the viewer some source material. But after that... Point, who cares about them? They're bad guys. Yeah, who cares? Nobody likes the bad guys, right? So there we go. That's Spider-Man Part 2. That's probably the most we're going to talk about him, honestly. As far yeah, as characters with Spider-Man this... goes, it's like it, it's very much a lot of the same after this. So I think this is probably going to be our our lovely forgotten heroes goodbye to Spider-Man. I'm sure we'll find a way. We might find some digging through the the deeps. We might find some other Spider people that aren't that aren't just. If Peter Parker was at this time period, of, you know what I mean? It's like because after after these guys, it's like yeah, it's the same crap. Yeah, we, exactly. we all know we all know what it, we all know what to do. Yeah, but there you go. Now you're familiar with the web of life. You're familiar with all the cool different Spider-Mans. Thank you very much for joining us. And make sure to eat your starches for your organic webbing. And join us next episode when we talk about a different hero in Forgotten Heroes.